the best lesson my mother ever taught me. I, I thought of that. And boy, um, I was the sneaky one. You know, if you got four kids, you know. I look back now, and I was the quiet, sneaky one. <laughs> my brother was older. I was the middle kid, okay? The one that kind of like, uh, they don't hear much. They said, well, you know, all I remember about Billy, and that's how they describe me, Billy. Uh, Don has started calling me Pastor Billy. Uh, but that I would sit underneath the table quietly playing with my little toy soldiers, right? Okay. But I was, the truth is there was a lot more going on. Sneaky, thieving, all kinds of things. And we laugh about that, but, you know, it's just, that's the truth. And, uh, and, I, and I think about some of the lessons that my mother taught me, and, and uh, as we all have many of those, uh, good and bad, and I, I can think of some of the lessons that weren't so good that she taught me. And, uh, but there's usually a, a double edge to everything that we're taught, right? I'd say one of the worst lessons she ever taught me was stubbornness. Stubborn and stubborn pride. That's probably the worst lesson that she ever taught me, but it's also probably the best lesson she ever taught me. On one hand, stubborn pride, you know what that gets you. That gets you into all kinds of trouble. On the other hand, you never give up on stuff. And how many of us know that never giving up on stuff is really, really important in anything that you want to succeed in? Anything you want to succeed in, that you don't quit, that you keep coming, that you keep doing it, and you just don't quit. All right? That's a, that's a, if there's, if there's a lesson, and I look at myself, and it's a, it's a double edge from my mother, she was one of these ladies that would carry a pistol in her purse, unregistered. She was a racist. She, you know, I, I'm saying all these ugly things, but, there, but she loved her kids, and she was a product of her times, right? We understand that. Product of her times. But she did teach, she did teach tenacity that, that enabled us to get a lot of things done as kids and as young people, right? Good stuff. I know that's, a, that's kind of a little bit dark, but... but that's how relationships are, aren't they? Right? Not always sunshine. I want to talk to you about the fourth man in the fire. Okay? I thought about the presence of God, and I thought about how important it was as believers to know that God is with us all the time. Okay? And because, quite frankly, we don't know that, or, or we don't act like we know that. And I understand that, that, that as we go through life, we have a tendency when situations come up, we have a tendency to find ourselves feeling alone. But the scripture, the scripture is clear all the way from the Old Testament and the New Testament that God is ever-present. Not only is he ever-present, he's not just there like, like you know, you better not, you, you, how's that song go? You better not, better... Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. 
checking it twice, going to find out if you're naughty or nice. He's watching. The picture is he's, he's there just kind of like glazing over. He's got his eyes on you, and he's going to nab you if, you, if, if you step out of line. Okay, he's going to give gifts if you're good, and he's going to give you coal if you're bad. Now, coal's not bad if you, you needed to eat, but that's not, that wasn't the point. Okay? okay? And sometimes we, we make that our theology on relating to God, and it's wrong. Okay? So, the fourth man in the fire, and, and, and that, that brings me to the passage in, in Daniel, the third chapter. Many of you have read it. How many have never read the book of Daniel? I mean, that's okay if you haven't. You haven't read it, okay? Uh, the, the book of Daniel is a great book. It'll, it'll confuse you a little bit, and some of the, some of the things that, that, if you've never read it before, it might confuse you a little bit when it comes to the end time stuff, but there's some really powerful lessons that we, that we find in the book of Daniel. And this chapter, chapter 3, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, at least I don't intend to, but, but let's go with this. Nebuchadnezzar, what a name. Mom? What were you thinking? You know, it's like it's like it's like a boy named Sue, but it was, it's Nebuchadnezzar. That's got more syllables in it than, than than there are letters. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king. The king. He made an image of gold, the height of which was which was sixty cubits. A, a cubit was about this long, here to here, about eighteen inches. Okay, so that's how they measured things. Okay. Uh, 60 cubits, and its width was 6 cubits. This is a pretty big golden uh, uh, image. I mean, effects of governors, the counselors, and the treasurers, the judges, and so on. They were assembled for the dedication of the image that, Neb- that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you... The command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that the, at the moment that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the, the, the sultry, the baptized, all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Now, this is like, you, know, you talk about turn or burn. If you don't worship when the music plays, you're going to be cast into a burning fire. Okay. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound, uh, and I'll just, uh, it says, when, when, when the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the, the, the psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations and men of every language, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. Now, if you know this story, the Jews were living there in in Chaldea because uh, they had been uh, removed, forcibly removed from their country. Okay? That's another story in and of itself. But they were there. And the Chaldeans, they came forth and brought charges against these Jews. They says, and they responded and said to the Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made the decree that every, that every, that every man who hears the sound of the music, I won't go into that, uh, all, all those things, when they hear that, they're to fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever doesn't fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the, blazing of, uh, the furnace of blazing fire. 
There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you, and they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true? that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image that I've set up. And I gave him another chance. In verse 15, he says, okay. He says, if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. That's pretty brazen. Cheeky, as they would say in Great Britain. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does, now now you catch this, you've got to, you got to hear this part too. You've got to hear this part too. Because this plays into to understanding scripture. These guys got it, sometimes we don't. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. He was angry. The next verse says he was angry, and, 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 he, gave, and he says, look, heat that furnace seven times more hotter than it usually heated. I don't know how, that, how he did that. He threw more wood in there, I guess. Seven times as much wood. But it was hot. It was hot. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of the blazing fire. These men were, these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, other clothes, and they were cast into the midst of the, of, of the blazing fire when they, when they didn't worship. For this reason, the king's command was so urgent that the furnace had been, uh, been made extremely hot that the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace, a blazing fire still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste, and he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast into the midst of the fire? And they said, Certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking around in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Now, you could either say, wow, that was a cool Sunday school story that I heard when I was a kid. I wonder what that, if it's true. Or you can see this as a picture of, uh, of not only of God's truth, but of how he functions not only then, but now. Okay? Remember what they said. He says, look, we're not going to serve you whether we burn up or not. That's essentially they, that's what they said. They weren't, he says, look, God can, God can deliver us if he wants. But it doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down to your, 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 your idol. Now, this, this really connects with the last four messages that I've spoken to you, you know, uh, against the wind, the, the, the counterculture uh, pressure, that, uh, the counterculture uh, Christianity that we live, that we're trying to live now and can live now, the pressures that are coming against us. 
You might think it's, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable for, these, for, for some of the persecutions that we read about in scriptures and we hear about in places like Indonesia and Sudan and some of those other places in the Middle East. You, we think it's unthinkable that this would happen here. I want you to know we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not the humanity that's doing it. There's spiritual entities that are pressing forward and having their way made and known in these places, and it can happen here in the United States too. Okay? It can. Okay? It's certainly there. I mean, I think Nebuchadnezzar was a little bit of a nut. He was easily kind of twisted and turned. Didn't know who his friends were. Still, even then, the enemy was, when I say the enemy, devil, Satan, even the enemy was trying to destroy God's people. He was trying to destroy God's people. He tries to destroy God's people today. He's never changed. How many, how many of us know, according to the Scripture, and it's truth, we just look around, we find out that the very things that, that have tied people up uh, uh, ten, uh, you know, thousands of years ago tie people up today. The things that people stumbled with thousands of years ago, they stumble with today. Now, I recognize that the, that the delivery systems of sin have become automated. You understand what I mean by that? The delivery systems of sin have become automated and probably a little more efficient in their, in their spreading of smut and different things. But, ultimately, the focus, the pressure, the deeds are essentially the same as they were the things that make us stumble are the same things that made people stumble in David's time and beyond. All right? It's simply true. All right? So here we are, this passage. He said, look, I, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, he didn't get it, but he knew there was something, something really, really different going on here. Now, again, this is not something that we should find peculiar. What we do find peculiar is that he was visible. Not that he wasn't there, but that that he was visible to the king. See? The scripture, and we find this throughout the scripture, in the Old Testament and the New, and we'll read some of those passages if, if I just don't ramble on too much, um, where God is saying, I will always be with you. Always be with you. Initially, and, and of, of course the focus of the Old Testament was, one that was on the Jewish nation, wasn't it? And we find in the book of Deuteronomy, if that passage is up there, I believe it's Deuteronomy 31, Moses, the, 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 the background of, of this passage is that Moses was getting ready to leave. He says, Moses went and spoke these words to Israel. And he said, I'm 120 years old today. You ever feel that way? He says, man. In other words, I'm old. I am no longer able to come and go. I mean, my knees hurt. He didn't say it that way, did he? And the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan. It's the Lord God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you. 
just as the Lord has spoken. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then he, in verse 23, it says, Then he commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Now, if you, if you run over to the book of Joshua, and you'll find this whole thing, three times he said, be, Only be strong and courageous, be careful to do the things that I told you to do, and I will be with you. Okay? I will be with you. I'm going with you. How many of us, if you knew God was going to be with you, there are things that you would attempt, things that you would do. If you knew he was going to be with you, what caused you to doubt that he would be with you? He said in his words that, were, that, that are eternal, he says, heaven and earth will pass away. In other words, we sit on these chairs. We expect them to hold us up. We have faith in them. We expect the ceiling to stay up there. We don't even give it a second thought on a Sunday morning. I, I, I never come in and say, boy, I wonder. I wonder if this will hold me today. I never do that. I never do that. But here's the God who says all this stuff's going to burn up one of these days, who says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And he says to you and to me, and, to, and you say, well, maybe he's saying it to Moses and to, to Joshua. No, let's, we'll get into that. But he's speaking to Moses. He's speaking to the people. He says, I will never leave you. I will be with you. Okay? I mean, that's pretty cool. If you know that God's going to be with you, whatever you do, that's powerful, isn't it? Let's, let's move to, the, to Hebrews. Just a passage of Scripture. I'm, it's Hebrews, the 13th chapter. He says, now, there's a lot in here. Again, I'm just kind of pulling some things out here. But there's a lot in here. And when you get into the epistles, you've you got this pastor thing going on where, where, where they're saying, okay, take care of your husband, take care of your wife, take care of your kids, uh, you know, uh, flee immorality, all these things that are important and good. And, but it's, it's almost like a shotgun of teaching. There's, there's a consistency. If you look into the, the epistles, you'll see a consistency uh, that, that recommends us to purity, to holiness, to, to, to treating other people right. I mean, you'll see that throughout the scriptures. If you read Philippians, if you read uh, uh, Colossians, you read Ephesians, you'll see many of the same kinds of teaching. So here we have in, in Hebrews something like that. He says, let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. God will judge them. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with, with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you. Now, what is it, what's the connection here? What's the whole idea of, of not being content versus uh, that, that somehow plays against this whole concept of God says, I will never leave you. 
the whole idea that somehow the, that, you, that, that there will not be this, this support and somehow, somehow, God will not come through. Somehow. So I've got to collect it all. I've got to put it together. I mean, I've got to build more barns. I'm going to, I'm going to try to have really great harvests and, build, and fill my barns so that I can sustain me because I don't trust God to sustain me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't save. I, I, we save. It's about who do you trust? Who do you believe? Here we are. Make sure that your, your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you, what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And so, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? New Testament. New Testament scriptures. But the idea, the idea, the, the, the constant abiding presence and the capable uh, sustaining uh, hand of God is in your life, and it's a promise. It's a promise. And it's, it, could I say it's, it doesn't depend on how good you are? Yeah? You get that? I mean, I, some, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe it comes down to when we're really young, our mama said, or our father said, or somebody in our life said, if you'll be a good boy... I'll take you to McDonald's. And I'll buy you a Happy Meal. You know, the one with the toy. If you're, and and then when we're, you know, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing to give rewards. But somewhere along the line, we've gotten to to think that God's that way. And we find in the Old Testament, he kind of was. What did he say to Joshua? And, and I, I didn't get through this passage up there. He said it this way. He says, be careful to do the things I told you to do. And I will be with you wherever you go. Okay? You know, uh, kind of wedged in that, that whole concept when you throw that is, is the flip side is, okay, does that mean if I sin? If that, does that mean that if, if I do the wrong things that you won't be with me? Yeah. Yeah. He'll step back. The scripture says that sin, sin actually separates us from God. Okay? So where are we now? Where are we now? This passage. Okay. Let me throw one more passage of scripture in there that, that has some connection, but it's, a, it's the end of Matthew. And this is where we are today. It's, it's kind of like the commission. You've heard me read this and quote this and but I want to quote the whole th- read the whole thing. He says, And Jesus came, and came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all authority, all authority. You know what I mean by all authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Jesus. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All authority, every bit. Not just a little bit. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I understand there's a lot in there, and we could talk about mission, we could talk about all this, but know this, he's talking to his people, his Christian church. 
Now he's speaking, he's speaking uh, specifically at this point in time, there are probably 500 people right there. The scripture says that 500 people saw him ascend. So it's not just about the 12 he's talking here, okay? Not just about the 12. Or not just to the 12. And by inference, the 500, and by inference to us, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, these are just a few passages. We could, there are lists and lists and lists and lists and lists of passages that talks about God's abiding peace, His abiding presence, and that He doesn't change. When He gives us a promise, it's without what? Repentance. He doesn't take it back. God's not a man that He should lie. God's going to be there for us no matter what. Okay? So what do we have here? Now, I kind of cobbled cobbled together a, a, a few scriptures here. But again... What I, what I like to do is, I, where's the ideas? What's, what's consistent here? And, and what are the principles that we can stand with? Okay. The children, wow, that's cool. They're having a good time. I think it, we're surrounded. Okay, all right, okay. First of all, God said he'd be with us, Old Testament, New Testament. What we find here is that some things shifted from the Old Testament and the New Testament, didn't they? God was always faithful, but sin was in the way. Sin was in the way. When Jesus went to the cross, sin was taken out of the way. Sin was taken out of the way. Okay? The veil was torn in two. We have direct access to God. When God looks at you, what does he see? He sees the blood of his son. Okay? And he says, forgiven. 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 So the sin issue has been removed by Jesus. So it's not about how good you can be. Because the truth is you can never be good enough. Neither can I. I abide and I live in His grace. And under under the umbrella of of a gift that was given to me, a gift of of righteousness that was given to me on on the back of someone else. Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus died so that I could live. Jesus died so that you could live. He paid the price so that I wouldn't have to. He paid the price for sin. What's the scripture say? The soul that sins must die. Okay, so that means, goodness, many, oh, many times over, more than I can count, I deserve death. No longer do I deserve death, not because that, that I was righteous, but because He was righteous and He gave that to me. See? So when God looks at you, little OU, He sees His Son. He sees the seal. He sees the blood. He says, forgiven. No matter what the, the accuser would say, He says, forgiven. He says, forgiven. Forgiven. I will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. What do we wrestle with? We wrestle with doubt. We wrestle with the whole idea that we're not good enough. You never were. You never will be. You don't need to be. Can I say it that way? You don't need to be. Because Jesus did that for you and for me. 
the presence of God. Do you hear that? you hear that, children? So, we've got this Old Testament, New Testament thing going. What are, we, what are we to do? We can walk in confidence. When I say walk in confidence, we know that He is with us wherever we go. Oh, I know that He is prompting us and He's saying, saying to you, Sam, and He's saying to me, Bill, says, look, I want you to live in righteousness. I want you to cheat anybody. I want you to steal. I want you to live a pure life. I want you to do these things. But I want, I, I want you to know that your sins are already taken care of. It's not about how good I can be, whether or not God's going to do these things for me, that whether or not He's going to be with me. The truth is, He's already inside of me. He's not leaving. He's not leaving. He is with us wherever we go. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Word of God says. If you've accepted Christ as Savior, if you've put it all on that altar and said, God, forgive me my sins, He has forgiven you, and His Holy Spirit has come within you. Now, what is He? Now, he, does, he does prompt us to live for Him. Anyone here do that perfectly? I'm not asking for confessions. Walk with confidence, even when life circumstances change. And it's one of the things that, that one of the places where God spoke to, to the, the, the people there is when, when leadership was changing, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. We're losing our pastor, they said. What are we going to do? We've always kind of lived vicariously through Moses. You ever live vicariously through someone else? And when they stumble or when they're removed, all of a sudden you don't know what to do. God, at that point in time when Moses said, I'm I'm old, I'm leaving. I'm turning this over to Joshua. God uh, God spoke to him, I will be with you wherever you go. See? I will be. God doesn't change. You look in the mirror and you change. God doesn't change. Sometimes you have a good day. Sometimes you have a bad day. Some days you're successful and you're in, in living for God. At least you think so. Other days you fall flat on your nose. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Even when the circumstances in your life change. I think that is connected to that word we had this morning. When it rains, I'm your God. When it snows, I'm your God. When the sun is shining, I'm your God. When you're going through a divorce, I'm still your God. When you lose somebody close to you, I'm your God. When you lose the strength in your body because of your age, I'm still your God. Your 401k goes upside down, I'm still your God. Your kids fall away. I'm still, I'm still your God. See? He doesn't change. I know there's a whole lot of people that think, you know, it's a, you know they're just, uh, uh, where's God? We hear that. Where's God? God's right here. He's in the fire with you. 
There's always a fourth man in the fire. Can I say that? Could I say a second person in the fire if it's just you? There's always, he's always there. Being alone is an awful feeling. Anybody know what that's like? Yeah. Being alone even for a short time is, is an awful feeling. You don't have to have that knowing that God is always with you. God is always with you. When life circumstances change, living in faith, obedience to God sometimes brings into your life the hostility of others. God doesn't leave you. Live without fear. God's with you wherever you go. Music. going to worship. Stand with us, please. And here's, this, here's, here's what I want you to know, this, this one thing, that no matter what happens, God is still with you. I don't know what your life has been like this week, or what, what you've been through, what kind of darkness that you've traveled through, or what, what kind of, of, uh, of, of disappointments that you've experienced. His arm is not short, nor his hand weak to help and to bless. Last Sunday night, last Sunday night, I did a short message on, I think, well, maybe it wasn't so short. A message on focused prayer. In the old times, they used to call it praying through. And then I had the folks come forward. Many of you were here. And pray for 15 minutes on one thing. Within two days, two people, two people, within just a couple of days, two people who were there that night came and said, Wow, wow, God, God, He's done these things. The very thing that I, that I laid before Him, He is... I won't go into specific things that would reveal who it is. But powerful big stuff. Powerful big stuff. See, God's alive. God's here. God's here. And He's available to you and to me no matter what darkness that, we, that we're standing or walking in. This altar is open for anyone who simply wants to pray. Now, if you're here, You've never given your heart to Christ. I want to pray with you. You'd like to do that. You'd like to give your heart to Jesus. You'd like to see God change your life. Like to see God change your life. Take away your sins and give you a new life. Okay? You know you're not living right. You know it's not about a Christian that's making mistakes. That's time. That's that's time to simply. If you're in that situation, come and and just present it to God on the altar. But you've never given your life to Christ. You've played the game. You've played the game. Maybe it's your parents. You know, you've just kind of like, you've just always kind of been around. You've, you've done it, but you've never given your heart to Christ. And if you did, it was, it was really kind of like a half-hearted. You've never known what it means to live in, in freedom and in victory. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. If you have the courage to come and spend just a few moments with me at the altar, okay? God will answer your prayer. God will save you in Christ Jesus. He will deliver you 
and set your, set your feet on a new path. I believe that. Believe that with all of my heart. Does anybody else believe that with me? Amen. Amen. We believe that he can save. We believe that he can deliver. We believe that he is with us all the time. The fourth man in the fire. There to save, there to heal, there to deliver. Interesting. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, Jesus stayed there. Because there was somebody else getting ready to go into the fire. (laughs) I believe, I believe that God is with us in every fire. I believe that God is with us in every darkness. Acknowledge him and love him. And say, God, get me through this one. I love you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's worship. And folks, this altar is open. For anyone who wants to pray. And if you want to give your heart to Christ today, let's do it. Come meet me right here. Okay, let's worship.